This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues, or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Hello, and welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest. Her name is Dr. Betty Martin. You may have heard of her. She is the author of The Art of Receiving and Giving, The Wheel of Consent. And it's based on her work that she founded called The Wheel of Consent. Um, Betty was, let me read you her official biography. Dr. Betty Martin has had her hands on people professionally for over 40 years, first as a chiropractor and upon retiring from that practice as a certified surrogate partner, sacred intimate and somatic sex educator. Her explorations in somatic-based therapy and practices informed her creation of the framework, the Wheel of Consent. So Betty created the Wheel of Consent, which she and I are going to talk about in just a minute. And that now she travels around the world teaching uh, the Wheel of Consent with uh, the School of Consent that she set up in order to uh, train people in that. And she trains um, anyone, and she also focuses on practitioners, people who, uh, like me, work with other people's bodies. So I think you are going to learn a lot in this episode. I learned a lot just from chatting with her. I highly recommend that you go and get her book, the, uh, it'll be linked to in the show notes. And um, if you go to the show notes, there's a free download of a diagram of the Wheel of Consent, because I think it helps to look at it <laughs> while we're talking about it, because it's quite, it's beautiful in that it's very simple, but it's also very complex and there's a lot of subtleties to it. So um, she does have a free download for you. That's also in the show notes. Um, okay, have a listen. Betty, welcome to the Sexual Alchemy podcast. I am so delighted to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, I've known about you and your work for years and years and years and years, but we've never spoken. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> and you've been to the UK a lot, haven't yeah. you? And run yeah. courses and workshops and things. And and obviously, you're, I've got your book and stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, next time you're here. Next time. Yeah. Yeah. If the world ever changes and makes that more doable. Oh, <laughs> if we can ever travel again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a whole nother subject that I'm going to sidestep. Yeah. I, so I have, so I've known about your work, which is, which, well, I tell you what, you introduce yourself. I'm just excited. You introduce yourself. I'll take a breath and then we'll talk about your work. Okay, great. Well, um, I'm Betty Martin. I'm, a grandmother and a communitarian and a former chiropractor. So a chiropractor for 30 years. And then I was a, a sex worker and sex educator for another 15 years. Um, these days, I'm not seeing clients. I'm teaching other practitioners how to use my, my ideas. And during the course of that working with clients for 15 years, I developed 
a model that I call the wheel of consent, um, which lo and behold, turned out to be useful for other people. I had no idea it would be, <laughs> but but I put some free videos up on my website and suddenly people were calling me from all over the world saying, I want more. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started teaching. Um, and that's what I do now, mostly teach. Mm-hmm. But my work with clients was most, it was hands-on, it's experiential. And I had a background in peer counseling. So I knew how to be with people and how to be attentive to people and how to listen in ways that were effective. And um, and I had spent a number of years exploring uh, based on the body electric school's work of erotic movement and touch and breath. And, and so I, in my mid-40s, had kind of an erotic awakening and discovered that there was a lot more to this business than I thought, this Eros business. And after exploring intensively for some years, I realized that I wanted to offer it to other people, some of these experiences. So I closed my chiropractic office, I moved into the city, and I opened a new studio. And those, this was pre-internet. So it was, you know, printing up uh, flyers and leaving them around the, the sexy bookstores and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so the work is experiential. It's um, people learning how to be comfortable in their skin, how to notice what they want, notice what they don't want. Um, how to ask for what they want, and how to be physically close, whether it's sexual or not. And often at times it was, it wasn't, sometimes it was. So it's, it was kind of like being a, 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 a coach for intimacy with people by going with them into erotic activities and states so that they can learn. And it was tremendous fun and very satisfying. I just loved that work. That piece sounds similar to the work I do, working with people's <clears throat> bodies experientially to mm-hmm. a big piece I do is is some energy work around clearing what mm-hmm. doesn't serve people that, but the rest is, you know, yeah, going on a journey to discover who you are as a sexual being, how do you express mm-hmm. that, you know, and and as you know, because your work is very much this that sex isn't just about sex you know sex is about the context of our life and that's right most sex isn't about sex it's about power and boundaries and getting needs met and is so much to it and one of the reasons that I am so grateful for your work is that in one of your videos I was watching you were saying that give and receive used to be the model of consent someone Mm -hmm. was giving someone was receiving the giver was the doer Mm-hmm. receiver was the being done to her mm-hmm. and that was it and when I was learning all of this having my own personal journey and neo-tantra and conscious sexuality whatever that was kind of it but yeah. it felt incomplete yes it is incomplete <laughs> <laughs> so incomplete yes and um gosh so many things okay so that work, so you're you had the chiropractic work, which of course introduced you to people's bodies and touch and all of that, and then you had your own sexual journey, which introduced mm-hmm. the erotic work, and so obviously working with people's bodies a little more intimately, mm-hmm. and that's the work that 
the wheel of consent emerged from, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for listeners who may not yet know what the wheel of consent is, I'm going to hand over to you <laughs> to okay. try to describe that. I, I was saying to you before we hit record that without a visual, it can be difficult. So maybe I'll try to have something they can download as a visual or I'll, obviously I'm going to point them to your website and your book. Yeah. The wheel of consent. Well, let me start another way. At one of these workshops that I was attending in one of in those years when I was exploring, we learned a game it was developed by a man named Harry Faddis, and it's called the three minute game. And it's two people asking each other two questions. And those two questions are, what do you want me to do to you for three minutes? Well, I can think of some pretty fun things that you might do to me for three minutes. And the other question is, what do you want to do to me for three minutes? And likewise, I can think of some fun things to do to you for three minutes. So I started playing that game with clients. And what I noticed was it wasn't easy. When I first played the game, it was very obviously about taking turns because I'm asking you what you want. You're asking me what I want. And so it's like, oh, yeah, we're taking turns. This is great. But I found that a lot of people were quite resistant to taking turns. And eventually I realized that, oh, it's largely because receiving a gift from somebody else is inherently vulnerable. It's not vulnerable because there's something wrong with you. It's inherently vulnerable. When someone sets aside what they want in order to go with what you want, it brings up feelings. You feel awkward. You have self-doubt. You feel shame. You feel guilt, all kinds of stuff. And as well, you feel relief and gratitude. And it may make you cry for sadness. I mean, in long, all kinds of feelings can come up. And if you don't want to have those feelings come up, It's easy. Just don't take turns. Just continue fumbling around like you've been doing and it's, you know, you're okay. But taking turns creates someone who's giving, setting aside what they want for the time being and going with you want. And someone who's receiving, which means putting your desires first. You respect the limits of the other person, of course, but still you put your desires first and you get what you want. Well, holy shit, you know, that's a that's a come to Jesus moment, you know. Right. Um, so when I started using it with clients and I discovered oh how difficult it was for people and how sometimes people get confused. And in particular, when I ask you and I changed it to how do you want me to touch you instead of do to you because it would just work better for my particular work. I would say, how do you want me to touch you for a few minutes? And a lot of people would just give me this blank stare. Like, I have no idea. No one has ever asked me that, which is probably true. No one's ever asked you that. And I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what I want. You know, do whatever you want. You're the expert. You should know what to do. All kinds of stuff. Or just overcome with shame. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to ask because I'm always the giver. And I shouldn't have wants. And I shouldn't have wants. Yes. Shame on me for having wants. Right. And for much less knowing what they are. 
my gosh, you know, that was just like too much. Um, so there was that question. And then the other question, how do you want to touch me? That's where people really got mixed up because they'd say, well, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. But, and I'd say, well, that's very nice, but that's not the question. The question is, what do you want? And they couldn't put those two thoughts together. Wait, something that I want to do? How does that even fit in my brain? They right. just couldn't figure it out. And it turned out that that question was the most difficult for almost everybody. And then I, as I kept going with it, and I just kept asking all of my clients that, I figured that, oh, it's because we don't have any precedent for that. Mm-hmm. You know, as infants, of course, we're reaching out, we're touching everything, we're feeling everything. And the small children, that's all we do. We reach out and feel stuff. But then we learn that it's a no-no. Mm-hmm. And that's not nice, and that whatever, especially if you're touching another person, you're supposed to supposed to be for them, never supposed to be what you want. It's always supposed to be what they want, and and it's um, so we have this big bugaboo about why it's not okay to do that, and it turns out that it's quite difficult for most people. So that just led me on this whole exploration of how can I make it accessible and how can I teach it so that it's accessible and I gradually learned how to teach it so that it is accessible and those are the free videos on on my website so that was the adventure with the three-minute game and then one day I was trying to explain it to somebody and I just drew it out as a matrix of the vertical line is um, divides into two halves of who's doing and who's who's Uh, giving who's receiving who it's for and the horizontal line divides into two halves of who's doing either I'm doing or you're doing so you end up with these four quadrants I'm doing what I want or I'm doing what you want or you're doing what you want or you're doing what I want and it was really obvious and it's like oh yeah of course they divide up this way and this makes perfect sense and I started showing it to people and their eyes would sort of glaze over and like, what are you talking about? And then I realized that in order for the quadrants to really make sense, you pretty much have to experience them in your body. Mm. When your hands feel the difference between doing what the other person wants and doing what you want, it's a very different inner experience yes that's when it clicks and you go oh i get it doing what you want is very different than doing what i want even if it looks the same it's a very different inner experience right and the same with being done to you're touching me the way i want or you're touching me the way you want very different inner experience for me Mm -hmm. even if it happens to look almost the same. Um, And even with your full consent, it's still very different. Yes, yes, still very different. And so part of consent then becomes not only what is going to happen or not happen, like my hand is going to go down your back, but it includes the question of who it's for. This is what you were asking about before. Who is it for? My hand is going down your back. Is it going the way I want or is it going the way you want? 
and what's the difference? And that turns out to be an important part of the agreement that we make about it. So the, the consent about it. Yeah. So that's the nutshell, sort of the fat nutshell of, um, of, of what the wheel of consent is. Um, and there's, you know, just some other details, but that's the basically it. Yeah. There's a lot of details and a lot of nuance mm-hmm. to, to all of it. And for me, you know, having gone from the original model that I learned, which was giving and receiving to expanding out to allowing and taking just, yes. the, just expanding it out uh-huh. to that yeah. blew my mind and explained yeah. a lot, you know, things uh-huh. that I had experienced yeah. Yeah. on either end of that, yeah. you know, and then when I understood your piece about who is it for, like, I felt like a million things fell away and a million things got rebuilt. All yeah. Once. yeah. You know, right. it's like rebuilt a whole lot of understanding of things mm-hmm. because that's bottom yeah. line, isn't it? Who is it for? It's not, yes, it is. I learned active and receptive. The active person is the do, you know, mm-hmm. the receptive, right. but that's just not it. No, it's not it all of it. It's one well, piece of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, the the old paradigm is the doer is the giver, and we use those words um, synonymously. Yeah. In fact, if you it, part of the problem is that the words receive and give have many meanings. Right. And receive, for example, can mean something is coming toward you or being done to you, uh, whether you want it or not. Right. So you can receive a a uh, package in the mail. You can receive a pass to the twenty yard line. You can receive uh, a punch in the jaw, but right. it doesn't mean you want it. it. Just means it arrives. Right. So that's one use of the word receive, and the a different use of the word receive means you receive a gift, and it's something that you want, but it may be something that you is done to you, or it may be something that you are allowed to do. So maybe I want some pears and I come over and pick the pears from the tree in your yard. That's a gift for me from you, but it's not something you do. It's something I do. Right. So how do you mix those together in your head? They, They don't fit. And so sometimes they fit and sometimes they don't, but we kind of grow up in this this paradigm of okay if i'm the doer i'm the giver and therefore it's supposed to be for the receiver the done to person mm-hmm. and so it made me really question wait a minute how if receiving doesn't mean done to what does it mean right well it means that i put my desires first and i respect your limits but it's for me right and it could be something that I'm doing. It could be something that you're doing. It doesn't say anything about who's doing. It just says it's for me. Right. Yeah. And that piece right there, I think, certainly in America where you are in the UK here, we're conditioned to not have that, you know? Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, yeah. yeah, that's we're not supposed to have that quadrant in us at all, you know? And that's if right. we have it, we're supposed to be ashamed of it instead of it's a perfectly natural part of life (laughs) yeah yeah in fact it's a really important part of a healthy life and a really important part of a healthy sexual life to be able to take action 
for your own pleasure. Uh, yeah, that's a skill that's really important. And it also gets a lot of bad press because almost everyone, certainly almost all women, have been touched in ways that they didn't like mm. and didn't want and couldn't stop. And, you know, so we have this physical experience of, ick, somebody's groping me or grabbing me, or even if it's consensual, they're doing things that just aren't great, but we don't know how to change what's happening. So right. we have this experience of like, okay, what I'm giving in sex is my body, access to my body, but it's not that great. So meh. Right. So, so we have this experience of it's happening, but it's not for me, but we don't have any words for it until now because it's supposed to be for me. So I guess I'm supposed to like it. So why don't I like it? What's wrong with me? Why don't I like this thing? That's the video said everybody likes it. So why don't I like it? You know, what's wrong with me? And all, blah, blah. yeah. And even the person in that scenario who is the giver. Mm-hmm. Maybe well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Who's the doer? Who's the doer, right? Yes. Who thinks yeah. that they're doing the things that the other person will like. Yes, yes. But because there's a language and people don't talk because, about stuff, they're not yeah. even asking, well, what would you like? Yeah, nobody's actually talking about what they would like or what they would like to experiment with because we don't always know exactly what we want. Of course not. No. And, you know, when I was reading your book and watching your videos, I was transported back to, um, my face has gone all red now. (laughs) um, (laughs) This was, you know, when I was exploring the neo-tantra and the conscious sexuality stuff for myself, one of the, there were two pieces for me that were really hard. One was inner child work. I'm a Capricorn through and through. So that piece, I was just like, no, I don't have an inner child. (laughs) And I did did find her, but (laughs) it was really hard. And the other piece was um, having wants, knowing that I had wants, knowing what they were and being able to ask for them was like devastating work for me. It was awful. It's really hard. Yeah, it's hard. I remember um, one night of a a long-term big deep dive with a big group and it was all safe and all that having it, you know, one of those situations where there's a circle of men and the circle of women and one woman at a time goes over to the man's group and one man at a time goes over to the women's group. And you can ask for what you want from this group of open-hearted, willing uh-huh. givers uh-huh. who know their yes, no's and maybes. And they, you know, uh-huh. and I sat in this group and I looked around at the men and I just burst into tears. Yes, <laughs> of course. Shut right down. And yeah. the teacher came over and was yeah. like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know what to ask for. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a huge piece of my work. And so oh, your yeah. work has has deepened what I've learned and what I now teach mm-hmm. or facilitate with clients because you've given um I was gonna say language, you've given language, but 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 beyond language, insight. Mm-hmm. It's like you've unraveled a bit and then you unraveled that piece and then you mm-hmm. unraveled that piece as well. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that, I was really hit by that. Um, yeah. As I was exploring it all, it's like there's nothing left unraveled. <laughs> well, it seems like it. I'm sure somebody will come up with something. <laughs> but... I had a question, and I thought I was, yeah. I'm afraid to ask. Oh, come on! Mostly in case I don't even comprehend this, <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to be vulnerable. Um, so, when I'm in sessions, which is a different setup and a different set of yes. agreements than when yes. you're with a lover. Yes. When I'm with a client, 
Let me get this right. So let me give you a context and then I'll give you the situation I really okay. want to talk about. So if I'm with a, a client and I might be teaching him how to do something on a woman's mm-hmm. body, experience, experimenting with me. Mm-hmm. And so of course then he, this has happened, you know, he, he learns, oh, I like giving that. Mm-hmm. So then the next time he says, I want to give you that thing, let's say a breast massage. Mm-hmm. And you're, forget- I can think you're of- confusing giving and doing right now. Well, what I know is in this case, I'm giving him the opportunity yes. to do the thing. And, yes. and, and so I get that, but here's where I get confused. Here's where I have a question. Yeah. So I also sometimes do bondage sessions, which uh-huh. I think, you know, bondage and it's yeah. a, People who don't know, it's a kind of kinky erotic massage and there's a bit of power play. So in yes. that situation, I would be playing a dominant role. Mm-hmm. And not always, some people like to just have them as kinky erotic massage, but mm-hmm. often they want to power play. And so the person who is on the table, on the massage table, is going into a submissive role. Mm-hmm. And so in this instance, I'm often yeah. giving and he's I, receiving. Yes. So I'm giving and he's receiving and I'm very much in service. So giving, now here's where my question comes in. What a submissive person often wants is what the dominant wants. Right. 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 And for years when I would be doing this, I would say, well, you know, I knew I was there in service to them. So I would kind of say, oh, I want your pleasure. I want your joy, you know, whatever, whatever it was I knew they really wanted. Mm -hmm. That's where I was taking them. Mm -hmm. And I did want that for them. I wanted them to, you know. Sure. But then I realized, someone asked me, but what do you really, really want? And I, was, and I thought, well, let me think about that for a minute. Let me get clean with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what what I really like, and I only admitted this recently on a podcast, mm-hmm. is um, taking someone's arousal, like absorbing it from them. So mm-hmm. like, you know, creating it in their body, but so that I can have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And But consensually, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want it not consensually. And so then if if a client that on the table says, great, you can have it, mm-hmm. they're receiving because we're in a paid thing. <laughs> but I'm taking that. And then my brain just melts all over the floor. Can, yeah. two, can two things be true at once, I suppose, is the bottom line there. Yeah. Here's the, here's the deal. And this comes up in our practitioners class where I teach a five-day class for practitioners. And we usually get to this on day four or five. So you're getting the inside scoop here. Okay. So if you imagine, so, and I, by this time I've drawn the wheel up on the wall. It's a great big poster. You know, we have the axes and we have the circle around it. And in your sessions, you are in the serve quadrant, period. Because they are, you are attending to their needs. Yeah. And it may be that one of their needs is to learn how to be in the allow quadrant, the the surrender quadrant. Mm -hmm. So in order for them to have an experience in the allow quadrant, you have to temporarily go into taking, which you can do because inside the serve quadrant, there is a smaller wheel. Aha! That is contains all four quadrants. So it's like the wheel within the the wheel. So that you in the bigger picture, the larger umbrella, you are in service. But for this temporary thing that you're doing in service to them, you're you're in the taking quadrant. 
Mm. or you're in the Lao, whatever it is. But even if you are, if you are acting out of and embodying the taking, you're still in service to them. So it becomes sort of a double layer. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And just to point out for people listening that this is called the wheel of consent because the the four quadrants only exist and work within the circle that's drawn around them, which is consent. Consent, right. Everyone to just hear that. It's consent. There is. Without consent, it all falls apart and is something totally different. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, It's no such thing as the wheel without consent. Yeah. 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 So then can I ask another question? Yes. <laughs> These are the two things that came up. I was like, like such a conundrum. I think you said in your book, it's like a brain scratcher, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> a head scratcher, yeah. So a long time ago, my partner and I were at, probably at Barbara Carella's party, actually, but we were at some kind of play party. And we had agreed that we would, as a couple, submit to another couple that were going to co-dominate us. Uh-huh. And we did this amazing scene where the co-doms went around us. They took turns doing stuff to us. And my partner and I were eye-gazing for the whole time. <laughs> oh my oh. God, that sounds great. <laughs> it was awesome. We were tied together by our wrists. Uh-huh. And then we had our elbows kind of, you know, propped up and, and we're eye-gazing and receiving all kinds of stuff. We couldn't really see the other two what we could see when they changed place but you know the way the lighting in our mm-hmm. bodies were positioned and the whole time he and I are like we're so lucky we're just receiving all the good like they're doing so much for us here and receiving we were sure that we were on the receiving end of this gift mm-hmm. and afterwards the two people who'd been doing were thanking us for the gift we gave them mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were so perplexed <laughs> by mm-hmm. that like really yeah. We gave yeah. you a gift, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, that was so yeah. fun!" And yeah, so in, in that instance, a gift went both ways for sure. Mm-hmm. But there were active doers and active receivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, there were active doers and there were done tos. So this is an example of where we use receive and done to to mean the same thing, and they're not the same thing. Okay, so can you break that down? Yeah. So when you are when you are done to, this is not BDSM, this is going back to the basic wheel. When you are done to, it might be for you and it might be for the other person. So when you say receive, in my the way I'm using it, which is certainly not the only way to use it, the way I'm using it, if you say the word receive, it means it's for you. Mm. It may be something you're doing or it may be something that's done, but it's for you. When you say done to, it may be for you, it may be for them. But that's two different questions. Who is doing is a different question than who it's for. Yes. Yeah. And probably. But, but many people say receive when they mean done to. And of course, because that's one of the ways we use the words. When talking about the wheel, it confuses things if you say that. So I've kind of redefined receive and give in the context of the wheel. And you talk about who you, you talk about which direction the gift is going in, right? Yes. Which may or may not be the same direction the action is going. Right. If I'm giving you a massage, the action is going to you and the gift is going to you. 
Right. If I'm feeling you up for my own delight, then the action is going to you, but the gift is going to me. Right. The arrow changes directions. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so. So back to BDSM, there's a very common question of how does the wheel fit on BDSM? And in BDSM, um, which is often about power and sometimes about action, the words top and bottom have the same problem that give and receive have. Are they talking about who's doing Mm -hmm. or are they talking about who it's for? Right. And my understanding is that they're actually talking about who's doing. Because you can be topping, in which case it's supposedly for you, because you're being the boss. But then you have a service top. Well, then who's that for? Like, if you're serving, that means it's for the other person, but you're topping. So what's going on here? So, So I think the words top and bottom have a similar problem as the words give and receive. But I think of them as meaning who's doing. The top is doing. It may be for them. It may be for you. Right. Uh, So, and then the dom and sub um, correlate with who it's for because you, if, if I'm doming you, I'm dominating you, then we're doing what I want. We ain't doing what you want. Right. It's for me. Right. And even if I'm the sub and I'm serving, you know, polishing your boots or bringing you your lunch, Mm -hmm. it's still for you. Yes. Yes. And the confusion that you're describing before comes from the, if you enjoy it, then you tend to think of it as receiving, but it's not, it's just enjoying. You can enjoy giving. Of course you can. Mm. So pleasure, the presence of pleasure, pleasure can be present in any quadrant or in no quadrant. It has no relation to the quadrant. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an inner experience of enjoyment. So you can enjoy the hell out of something. It doesn't mean that you were receiving. And you're just confusing the words. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm going to have to read the book again. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's easy to do like, and I, oh, and, I yeah. and I still like, wait a minute, which side is this? Who's it yeah. for? Who's yeah. it for has helped immensely. Yes. Yeah. That who's it for question. And you it's know, it's come I'm, to I'm, haunt many people. I'm sure. And <laughs> for me, it's crystal clear yes. in my sessions. Yes. That it is not at all about the actions. It's not who's doing what to whom it mm-hmm. is who it's for always, always, always. Yeah. Um, and that, and it always, I'm always crystal clear there. Yeah. Um, and I, apart from bondage, I, I don't play much with BDSM in my sessions, mm-hmm. in part because it is such a head fuckery of who's, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. What, was, yeah. what? And so, um, and also it's not just not my, it's not my expertise wheelhouse, but, yeah. um, oh my God, it's so rich. It's so rich. It, it, you know, it makes me think of, um, so much conditioning that we have around here. Things like it's better to give than receive. I mean, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. hear that culturally all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we're all giving, who's receiving? Nobody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nobody. I mean, you hear this 
whenever I describe this in a group, everybody nods their heads. And so I tend to think it's pretty true for most of us. But the in a typical uh, heterosexual encounter, the guy is doing all the stuff because he saw in a video how he's supposed to do. And he's doing all the stuff. And so he thinks he's giving because he's doing all the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And the woman feels like she's giving because she's allowing him to do all the stuff that apparently he likes to do because he didn't ask her what she liked. Right. And she's giving what she's been trained to give, which is her body. Right. So she feels like she's giving. He feels like he's giving. So who's receiving there? Pretty much nobody, because nobody's really getting what they want. They're trying to please the other person. Right. Which is, it's really important to learn how to give a gift to the other person. Of course it is. It's really important, especially as a lover. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to learn how to receive a gift, which it, do not confuse receiving a gift with going along what somebody else seems to want to do because you don't know how to ask for what you want. That's not receiving a gift. That's just putting up with shit. Right. So receiving a gift means you have to ask for it because that's the only way that anybody knows what it is that you actually want. And that's vulnerable. It just is. Of course it is. Um, And there's so much nuance to that as well, because like, even if you ask me what I want and I say, oh, you know, I would like a three minute shoulder massage. And and I think that's what I want. And then you're doing it. I think, oh, that's not what I want. Do I grin and bear it? Because that's what I've been trained to do. Because that's the polite. Do I say, actually, now could you stroke my back instead? Exactly. That's a whole nother field. Yeah. Yeah. Changing our minds. Yeah. Real important. And it's just, asking for what we want is seemingly hard for everyone and i have no cure for that except I think you starting do. starting small and starting simple and start with things that are you know a 3 minute something not terribly sexy you know a shoulder rub or a head scratch or an ear massage or a foot massage or whatever it is so that you gradually learn that Oh my God, it works. Like I asked for this foot massage and I got a foot massage. Holy shit, it works. You know, right. And no one and, and yeah. And then you you gradually learn to trust yourself. Um and the three-minute game is perfect for that, of course, because when it's your turn to ask, nothing happens until you ask. So it's a great opportunity to it can be hard it can be awkward Um, but if you go into it with the intention to learn something together then you have a lot more space for actually playing and discovering and your partner asked you how do you want to touch me and you get to go oh shit I don't know and then you just sit there for a few minutes and then oh it bubbles up it always does it takes some time but it will bubble up and so you gradually learn that, oh, right, what I want matters. I never knew that before. And it's a huge discovery. It's just fucking huge. And yeah. that piece of if I sit with 
the question, what do I want long enough? Something will arise. Something will arise. Yeah. Eventually, you know, and different things in different moments. I'm Mm -hmm. sure, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, you were saying you don't have the solution. I think this is certainly a big part of the solution because it not only gives you so much information about yourself, it develops communication. It can be done over and over and over and should be done over and over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every time's different. So, yeah, do it many times. <laughs> Something actually else that I was struck with about this game was that, and I don't know if this was in the book or it might have been a conversation I saw you having, but was um, how people who are perhaps new to sexual encounters, or not even necessarily, can use a three-minute game to find their way out of their busy day and into a space of intimacy. Because sometimes mm-hmm. people struggle, like, think that they're they don't want sex because they don't feel aroused in that moment and right it's like oh I'm busy my head's full of work and it's like yes are you willing to come out of that yeah yeah okay how are we going to bridge from that to a space of intimacy well three minute games a great way to do that oh yeah yeah it's a great way to do that yeah Yeah. I I like to um I haven't played that exactly and it may or may not lead to so-called intimacy or sex it may lead to a cuddle Right. It may lead to a cup of tea and a conversation, or you don't know where it's going to lead. But it's an opportunity to pause and notice, oh, wait a minute, what is it that sounds wonderful to me right now? That's a very important question. It may be a cup of tea and a conversation. It may be a walk. It may be um, making out. It may be a foot rub. It may be a cuddle. You don't know what it's going to be. Right. But just the act of slowing down to notice what sounds wonderful to me right now. That's just about me. Just what I want. Yeah. If that was taught in schools, we'd we'd have a different (laughs) world, wouldn't we? Well, if it was taught in schools, you wouldn't have schools. You'd have people. You'd have kids wanting to go out and play in the haystack, you know, you know. (laughs) <laughs> they, they'd learn though that way they yeah. would they're yeah. not going to grow up not educated they would learn from activity and um, yeah. their own interests yeah yeah there, there are schools that do that is it the steiner schools or yeah. something that's childhood? yeah yeah there's a yeah, yeah that's yeah. a whole different podcast yeah, yeah. right yeah <laughs> right right yeah there were so many so many things i was like oh and it, it reminds me of this and it reminds me of that so I want to come back to the quadrant so we've got the we've got the giving and the receiving and we've got the doing and the done to Mm-hmm. And then you've got give as in serving and the gift going towards the receiver mm-hmm. and the taking and allowing. Mm-hmm. I can imagine some people's brains spinning if they're just yeah. hearing it. Yeah, just go download the, the or on the podcast page. You can, add, I'll send you a thing and you can actually post the diagram. Great. And I'm going to link to all your stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, what I also really like about this work is that, you know, I, I'm approaching it from um, working with clients and and people's sex lives and all of that. But, you know, I always say that your sex life doesn't exist in a vacuum. It sits in the context of your life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. most of the skills for being a great lover are life skills, like good communication and boundaries and consent and self-awareness and knowing what you want and all of that, you know. Do you want a picture on this wall? Do you want broccoli for dinner? Do you you know? And that's true. Right. And and then yeah. the work, the three minute game and the wheel of consent can be used non-erotically. 
Oh, hell yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, it's much easier to learn if it's not erotic. Yes, I could see that. Because once you start bringing, I should say if it's not genital, if you go into the intention with it, oh, this is going to be sexy, you're kind of missing it. What you want to go into the intention is what's true for me right now. Mm. Maybe sexy, it may not. But as soon as you start asking for sexual things and genital touch and that it's very difficult to learn because in that kind of situation, your habits are very strong and it's likely that your anxiety is fairly high because there's a lot of risk here. Now I've got my hands on your, you know, what's, and now they're just going to do the thing that they think that they're supposed to do that always works. And you lose and there's no presence and there's no yeah. presence. Yeah. So definitely is far better to learn without a sexy intention. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. That's the other thing. Cause when I ran down to say to my partner earlier about some of the work that I knew would be helpful for him is I was saying that in a, let me say this right. In an agreement that involves potential arousal, mm-hmm. especially with a client, but usually with anybody, I we, we would create our agreements. Mm-hmm. And then once arousal was present, I would not, it's not that I wouldn't change course, oh, yeah. things happen, but you don't suddenly do something that you hadn't agreed to before. That's exactly right. Because it's an altered state of mind, isn't it? Yes. You know? Yes. Whereas my partner was saying if he was in a coaching session with someone and they said that they had wanted to look at the first three months of the year. And then suddenly they realized they needed to look at the thing that happened yesterday. The partner, he said they could renegotiate in that moment mm-hmm. and change yeah. the agreement. Yeah. They're like, yeah, because yeah. there's not arousal there. Right. They're not under the influence <laughs> yes. of the other hormones, you know? Yes, that's right. Like so it, it's a, it's a different thing yeah. playing this, the three minute game and exploring the wheel with sexy intent or not. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And yes, as a practitioner with a client, that's a a boundary that you have to guard very carefully. And that's what gives you integrity in your client sessions. Um, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And again, it comes down to who is this for? Yes. If if I'm here for their highest good, then I'm going to hold this boundary well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I suppose you could also create the agreement, okay, we've played this, we have some understanding, the language is developing between us. Now we can have some sexual intent, mm-hmm. but there's still um, agreement of this is, you know, what we're, we're not going to do genitals, but we're not going to move towards orgasm or something like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's still a, a clear playground in which to play. Yes. And that actually, I mean, having a clear edge to your playground is really what lets you play. Because if you don't have any idea where it's going, you're going to be tense because you're worried about where it's going or where it's not going or where you hope it's going to go or where you're afraid it's going to go or all that, you know. And then you're not present again. And you're not present. And then you get, then you get tense and then nothing's any fun. Yeah. You reminded me too of um, a version of this, which is occasionally I would have clients, particularly bond massages that happens who I would say, okay, tell me about your boundaries and what is okay and what isn't, where you like to be touched and where you don't. And every now and then, I'm sure you've seen this, you get someone who says, I don't have any boundaries. Oh boy, let me get my hands on them. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you're going to love this then. When I'm in a cheeky, playful mood and I know that it's not going to upset the person, I'll go, you, you don't, you don't have any boundaries. And they'll go, no, I'll go, okay, well, the, I want to start by nailing your testicles to the floor. And then they go, oh, well, I don't want that. And I go, and you have a boundary. There it is. There's one. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't yeah. really want to do that to anyone, but it's so extreme. Yeah. That most of the guys that are coming to see me are not going to want that. If I yes. if I feel like someone really doesn't have boundaries, I end we, we end and we're done. Then we don't play. Yeah. yeah, yes, I'm I'm similar. They say I don't have any boundaries. I'll say something like, "Oh, well, then I should get out the knives and the whips." <laughs> oh no no no, don't do that. Oh, so but you don't have a boundary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's but fun. what I goes in my head is, "Oh man, I can find boundaries." <laughs> don't tell right. me that because I'll find them. Right. I'm good at that. And yeah. I know that that's the other thing is we know from our work, everyone has boundaries. Yes. Well, most people have boundaries. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that was the thing for me as well in my learning was I didn't know what my boundaries were in part because of my conditioning as a woman in the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s in America. I thought I just had to give it up, whatever yeah. it was. What, whatever it was. Yeah. And sometimes it was for my own safety. So I didn't get, you know, hurt by this person who perceived mm-hmm. that I was supposed to give them something sexually. Sometimes it was because I, I was told once actually by a chap, I bought tickets to a gig and invited him, but he drove. And so afterwards he told me that he took me. And so I owed him sex. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is some yeah. fucked up stuff right there. Yeah, but, that's some fucked up but stuff I was, right there. I was young and stupid and scared and I went, mm-hmm. Do I? You know, is that yeah? Is that what's going yeah. on here? Like yeah, you know. So that's. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd known then what I know now. <laughs> I wish, yes, I wish I'd learned your work and learned about <laughs> boundaries and how to yeah. um, how to express them. Yeah, yeah. It's something most of us are not taught well, and when we have a certain amount of guilt about having desires and about having boundaries. Mm. And I, I think a lot of that is is the religious foundations of our culture that even if we weren't raised in a religious family, we have this kind of religious soup that we live in, which is don't ever be selfish. Don't want anything for yourself. Give, 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 give. And any pleasure is bad. Basically, having a body is bad and all that shit. The pleasure has to be earned. Yes, right. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I tell you, Betty, I could explore this stuff for hours with you. Well, I know you teach like week long workshops and, and yeah. sure then there's depths that go, yeah, you know, unexplored because it's, it's a lifelong journey. Yes, it is. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah. 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 I'm so really, truly, I cannot tell you how deeply grateful I am for your work. You know, it's, it's blown my understanding of all of these pieces of the pie <laughs> yeah. wide open and um it's explained a lot to me <laughs> obviously yeah and um and I I feel like it's open-ended you know that it's just not something that there's ever a lid to put on which also as an explorer excites me yeah and as a facilitator yeah yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I want to say if you want to play the three-minute game with a practice buddy or a friend or a partner it's generally useful to ask, do you want to play the three-minute game with me? Or I want to play the three-minute game. Will you join me? 
And since neither of you know how to play it, go watch the videos on YouTube and my website and um, and then play it kind of within that container. I don't recommend walking up to somebody on the street and saying, how do you want to touch me for three minutes? Like that, it's not going to go over well, but you can. And I encourage you to invite someone to play the three minute game with you. And to and and to invite and in the context of there's this thing I want to learn, and it requires two people. Would you like to learn with me? Mm. And then you have the context of okay, we're learning together, we're gonna make mistakes, it's gonna be an experiment. Right. Instead of okay, now I have to perform this thing correctly in order to be okay with you. And that's not I don't recommend that. No, when you're in a state of I have to get it right, yeah, you know that yeah. it's not you're not gonna because you're not yeah. in you can't <laughs> yeah you can't mm. yeah. yeah yeah and I think it's really important too what you said about um, you know for example not asking someone on the street because in order for the game to work in order for someone to bring their presence and their vulnerability and their willingness to learn you have to feel safe. And yeah. so, you know, the person that you yeah. choose to explore with, you you want to feel safe with and probably not going to with someone on the street. <laughs> yeah. 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 There'll, and, be, there'll be awkward moments, guaranteed. Yeah. And just to highlight something else you said was to play it with non-erotic intent yes. first yeah. for some time, unless yeah. that's, a, you know, in fact, my partner and I tried it yesterday and I said to him, we need to do it in a non-sexual way to start with, because I, I want to not conflate it or confuse uh-huh, it uh-huh. with sexual desire, sexual uh-huh. want, sexual arousal. I want to feel uh-huh. the kind of purified version yeah. of outside of that. And yeah. so we we did that. Yeah. Um, and then we tried it with, it would be okay to include yeah. something sexual, but that yeah. it didn't have to be. And it was yeah. really interesting to see what happened and to see, you know, in that instance, what your desire is in that moment isn't always in that what, moment. What I thought it was as you're coming into playing the game. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's in, in this exact moment. What yeah. sounds wonderful to me. Infinite learning, infinite growth and self-awareness. I just, I'm blown away. <laughs> really. <laughs> if there was like, well, in a way that was a final piece of advice to go uh-huh. play. Um, is there anything else that you know is kind of bottom line or fundamental? Because obviously it's very it's nuanced, it's simple yet complex, and it's very nuanced. So, mm-hmm. is there any other bottom line thing that you would um, leave listeners with? Yeah, I think just be have compassion for yourself because this stuff is hard. Yeah, being asked what you want by this person who's sitting right in front of you, looking at you, and then you have the opportunity, the luxury of pondering, oh, what is it that I do want? It's an astounding luxury, but it doesn't always feel luxurious because it's awkward. Right. So just have some some compassion for yourself. It's it's hard. And in case it wasn't obvious, you know, the whole point of all of these exercises is that it takes place within consent. So even if um, if you ask me for a back massage, if I don't have that to give, I can say no. 
Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think it was obvious to us, but I want to make sure it was, you know, that oh, both yeah. parties. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, and I'm trying, I keep trying to end, but I keep ha- one other thing it reminds me of um, in a workshop years ago when I was learning all this, we were doing an exercise um, where two people and one approached the other. The other person was muttering a kind of yes, no, or maybe every few seconds according to their true desire. So I could, I was the one making moves towards this person and they were saying yes or no. If it was a no, I stopped that thing. If it was a yes, I could keep going. If it was a maybe, I would slow down and know they're on their edge. And maybe Mm -hmm. you you aired towards no. Mm -hmm. And so I had this woman and we got paired together and it was my turn to go first as the doer. And I, you know, approached slowly and I was trying to figure out what did I really want to offer here. And I, what I really wanted was to stroke her cheek. There was something Mm -hmm. about, but I thought, well, I can't possibly do that because, you know, Mm -hmm. she'll think I'm coming on to her or she'll, whatever. I had all these projections about what she would do. I didn't do it. Then when we turned around the other way, she walked right up to me slowly getting my consent, you know, and she put her eyelashes on my cheek. (laughs) Uh, You know, that was one of the biggest learnings of my life. I didn't, it wasn't even about her, but I didn't trust the yes or no's that might be coming from her. That if I had tried to do that thing that she, would she just say yes? but she didn't really oh, want it yeah. because yeah. I might have done that. Yes. You know, yes, exactly. And so, <laughs> my boundaries and knowing what I wanted were all over the place at the time. Yeah. And so I wasn't even able to give something authentically mm-hmm. that I didn't know how yeah. to receive authentically. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Oh. Gosh, <laughs> I feel like I need to lie down, but because <laughs> it's so immense. <laughs> It is. It, it, it's when you learn how I and I used to say this to clients all the time, what you need to learn to have a great sex life. Most of it, 95 percent of it is learned before you ever get your clothes off. That's right. Which is similar to something you said a minute ago. So experiment, have some fun, learn some skills. You'll have some ahas. You'll have some awkward moments guaranteed. And you'll learn some things and have some fun. Yeah. And it will improve your life and your sex life. Yeah. It's a lifelong practice. Really. I hope you know what a gift this work is to the world. It's just essential stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm beginning to realize that. Yeah. I I think this will, I think eventually this work will reach someone who will take it into schools, who will take it into Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. Oh, I've got chills when you say that. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay. I know that people are going to want to know more because there's no way in like an hour or something that we can compact all of the work and all of the nuance of it. Mm-hmm. I'll link in the show notes below where the podcast is to your website, to mm-hmm. your book. Is there right. anywhere else people should find you? Oh, YouTube? Uh, uh, YouTube, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, good. They're going to come looking, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, thank you. It was great fun talking with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, so much, so much. Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. 
The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.